Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. Or what day is it? I don't know. We're late. August 2nd, 2023. How's everybody doing out there tonight? So, here we are. Oh, making sure I am streaming here. I always have something here to make sure everything's going out. Uh, For whatever reason, it's not letting me do LinkedIn Live. The software. I had a major upgrade over the weekend. And, uh, you know, the upgrade resulted in the downgrade of where we're doing this. Where have I been? We've had some major issues to happen here uh, this week. Uh, and one day I'll be able to talk about my family issues. Uh, so please bear with us here. We want to thank all of the new listeners that logged on last week where we were discussing crane safety in relation to the crane accident in New York City. And we were also talking about public choice theory. We're going to be uploading some paid videos on some platforms in the very near future, like tomorrow. God will. Uh, we also were involved in first aid CPR training, and we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, in relation to the diver, uh, diving company citation, uh, and their recent accident, they received close to $300,000 in citations. That story, the Colombo crime family, and, um, again, selling OSHA cards and getting involved with the, uh, crane credentialing, uh, for operating a crane, uh, all, no, I'm surprised the OSHA website did not have this up and running on their press releases. It was actually a listener sent it to me from the Department of Justice. Uh, they said, hey, check this out. Why didn't you talk about it? Well, I normally do not talk about Department of Justice issues. Uh, normally don't. Maybe I should, right, uh, with that. So we're going to send you out our Wednesday message. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Learning is vital. Learning is vital. That's from Mrs. Polzel there. 
sending you out that. And here's our message from Jessica, which I see, uh, no, everybody uh, likes. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Okay, so let's go back. I mean, we got stuff going on all over the place. I mean, we have stuff from OSHA, stuff from all over the place. So next week is the Safe and Sound Week with OSHA. The U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration will join businesses nationwide to recognize the successes of workplace safety and health programs during Safe and Sound Week, August 7th to the 13th. 2023, the annual event involves thousands of work sites that will promote the benefits of safety and health programs that include management leadership, worker participation, and a systemic approach, a systematic approach, finding and fixing hazards. Businesses that incorporate safety and health programs can help prevent injuries and illnesses, reduce workers' compensation costs, and improve productivity. We want businesses to have a system, not just good intentions, and make safety a core value for every worker in the workplace, said Assistant Secretary for Occupational Safety and Health, Doug Parker. During this week and throughout the year, we urge every employer to commit to implementing a program that drives continuous improvement in safety and health. We're going to talk about that in a second here. This year's program will focus on mental health and well-being and resources to help alleviate workplace stress and support mental health. Mental health, workplace stress, and suicide have very real work-related implications, especially in the construction industry. The suicide rate is three and a half times higher than that of the general population. Sign up, and there's a link on the website. Sign up to participate in Safe and Sound Week. Uh, organizations all over the place are uh, showing their commitment to safety and participating. 3,300 businesses helped raise awareness about workers' health and safety last week, uh, last year, uh, pardon me, and they have resources. You check it out on the website. Construction industry. We talk about whether we uh, specifically mention it or not, we talk about worker health, mental, mental health here all the time, how to manage those things. That Part of that is the safety war, especially if you're a safety professional. We have a lot of stresses that we have to regularly deal with uh, here. Now you're going to say, well, what stress? You don't do anything, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people feel that way that they're underappreciated, especially if uh, they are safety professionals. I, I've been there. I've been doing this for many years. Everybody here on the network has been doing this for many years on the Safety FM network. We're underappreciated. People don't understand what we do, what we're supposed to do. The expectation often is that we have to be uh, the donuts and coffee people, meaning we sit in the office, drink, donut, uh, drink coffee, eat donuts late all right and we try to point out strategies on how to manage things often if you could identify and i don't give a lot of them but all the strategy but i do a pretty good job i think we do all do a good job i'm pointing out things so for example we have the pushback faced by safety professionals topic we've talked about many times that has to do with some 
specifically with mental health. Health. How do you come up with strategies how to manage stress, how to manage the people in the workplace? Uh, I've had some very close family members of mine say uh, their motto is manage your boss, manage your uh, coworkers. This is all part of getting into the C-suite and everything else. The positive thing with the Safe and Sound Week is this. It gives you you the opportunity to shine. But the thing is, you need to get your C-level people doing their thing, getting up involved uh, with uh, with this. If you need a, because a lot of the stuff that is put out by OSHA is good, but it's good if you're dealing with fully self-actualized, non-psychopathic individuals. Is that... In the construction industry, I have to deal with all different types of people in the environmental cleanup industry. People who are, I don't know. I don't know where they get some of their attitudes. I don't know. I mean, I used to be one of them. I'll tell you where it was. It is a sense of hopelessness. There are leading indicators for this stuff here. It's uh, very frustrating sometimes dealing with folks. Uh, we have people that are never happy. They're not happy with their career choices. Uh, it's not a, a money problem because a lot of these guys are making, and women, are making very good money. I don't know. Is it the, being yelled at and screamed at by management all the time? That's typical in the safe, in the construction industry. Safety industry, too. Who wants to be yelled at all the time? A lot of these folks... They have problems going into other parts of, of careers, right? One of the advantages of having an education, whether it's formal or informal, is that you have capacity. You're able to go into different things. Often within the construction industry, you're a carpenter, and that's all you do. You're an electrician, that's all you do. You're a dock builder, that's all you do. You're a pipe fitter. Or plumber, that's all you do. And you have you get bogged down into one skill. And what happens is people don't have the capacity to move forward in anything. That's what you're gonna do until your retirement. Can you imagine it? now put yourself in their uh their uh thing unless they love being a carpenter or a tradesperson, there are people that love them. Majority of people I know love them. Some people don't want to do that, and now they're feels stuck in there, and you can see where you get a sense of hopelessness. This could be one of the contributing factors to the whole situation of suicide and mental health and everything else. The other thing is this. Uh, I've been on uh, a lot of projects where it's not the contractor that's the issue, per se. The contractor has to build their company has to hire a subcontractor. So often the problems are not from contractor A, it's contractor B, C, D, E, F, and all the other ones that are hired by contractor A, right? It's the subcontractors. The subcontractors are going to be doing the money, for, uh, doing the job for cheaper, cheaper labor. Where are they? And depending on the job, you now the 80% rule applies. If they can do 80% of the job, they're going to do it. Or they're going to, that's okay. 
and uh, almost is good enough. So what happens is they get people who have to show a uh, paycheck for whatever reason. They need that check stuff. They need that W-2. A lot of them may be working under the table. A lot of times they're day laborers. No W-2. Right? They're 1099 if they're lucky. Right? You get the 1099 form if you're lucky. Now you have people who may come from troubled backgrounds. We had a guy about two years ago who was right out of jail for uh, uh, was some type of an assault, a felony level of assault of some sort. He comes out to the job site and he gets told about a week and a half into the job, you've got to wear a hard hat. Construction job, you're going to wear a hard hat. He said he went off and uh, he said, oh, you know, I'm going to wear a hard hat. And he took the hard hat and beat the site manager to unconsciousness. Big problem. Well, where is this guy? Where did this person come from? Well, this person just got out of prison. Right? Well, why did you hire him? Uh, was there a screening process? Or the, what, what's the context of this? Because we're always looking for context. Well, guy, uh, for whatever reason, was driven to the breaking point because he didn't want to be told what to do anymore. And there were leading indicators that indicated that this was going to happen. And this was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Management looking the other way. Guys yelling and screaming at everybody going all through here, antagonizing, bullying, and everything else. That, well, how come you didn't do anything? Oh, well, we, uh, nah, you know, it's construction. Oh, it's construction. You have somebody out there doing stuff like this. This is hard. Do you try to cancel the guy? Do you try to get him help? Oh, no, didn't do anything. So you almost literally killed a man over a hard hat issue. Well, hey, I've been followed home already over people not wearing, uh, about people wearing gloves on the job. Back when we had uh, the glove policies first came out in the mid-2000s. I don't want to wear a glove. Well, you're working, you got to wear work gloves. This is what the rules are here. I'm not wearing them. And before you know it, the guy is following you home. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah, stuff like that has happened. Uh, you know, robbery, theft, you name it. So a little bit rambling on a little bit off subject here, but that's what we have to deal with in this industry. If you're dealing with construction, if you're the safety person, oftentimes people get jealous of you. Quote, because you're not doing anything. You're not out there lifting the, especially if you're younger and in pretty good shape. Well, why aren't you out here doing X, Y, and Z? You got this cushy management job, and a little bit of jealousy comes in. And guess what? Some safety professionals uh, go out there and rub it in people's face, right? Well, I'm 26 years old now. I'm in charge of safety for 45 or 50-year-old people, right? Been in the industry for 20, 30 years. So what's safe and sound? We're getting all the way back. Let's circle it around. Showing, this is a marketing, showing what, how good of a job you're doing. You can use it as that. 
this is, hey, this is what we have a commitment to safety for the company. We're going to be safe. This is our commitment. And this cannot be led, uh, at least I don't ever recommend it being led by the safety professional. This needs to be led by management. Are your site superintendents, owners, presidents, CEOs, C-level people? Because they have to show the commitment. They're going to... You see, as a safety professional, you don't have the authority to hire, fire, discipline, manage the work, uh, manage raises, things of that nature. So when you say to do something, you know what's going to happen? Not a damn thing. That's why you need to get the C-suite involved. They're the ones with the authority to do things. And then you're going to have a successful, safe and sound week if you get that management commitment. How do you get that? All different ways you could do it. Uh, but uh, off some organizations, it's very difficult. Here we have one of our main stories here. The U.S. Department of Labor has found that a Miami excavation contractor with a history of federal workplace uh, safety violations could have prevented the death of a 48-year-old diver who drowned while removing debris in a canal in eight foot of murky water by having required rescue procedures in place. This uh, happened in January. I don't recall us covering this uh, on this show, but I could be wrong. The department's OSHA cited uh, a company for 18 serious violations after its investigation into the January 2023 incident with a proposed $258,935 in penalties. We'll go over them right now. In a minute. Specifically, OSHA determined uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, we'll go with there, right? Our investor investigation found, this is from Director Condal Eastman in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Our investigation found that the company, I don't mention names of companies usually, did not follow required standards to protect workers who conduct commercial diving activities. The company's failures before, during, and after this tragedy are inexcusable, and now the diver's family, friends, and co-workers are left to grieve their terrible loss. Uh, the company uh, excavates lakes and installs storm drainage systems among its heavy equipment operations and construction activities. The company employs more than 400 employees. That means that you're not going to get too big of a break with this OSHA citation, FYI. Uh, when you have that uh, big, there's usually not too big of a reduction, if any, with that. So what are these penalties? Let's go through the And again, in case you're new to the show, I don't really review this stuff prior to the show. So you're getting my pure, unadulterated uh, stuff here. Reaction. This is under the commercial diving standard here. 29 CFR 1910-410-A1, each dive team member did not have the experience or training necessary to perform assigned tasks in a safe and healthful manner, right? Uh, I'm going to print this out because I'm doing I'm working with divers. Uh, employees performed diving operations were exposed to drowning hazard that they were assigned duties and tasks beyond their experience and training. $15,625. All dive team members are not trained in CPR and first aid. You know what? They could have called us here 
845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com because I'm right in the middle. I didn't mention this. Uh, I'm giving a first aid CPR course two nights this week, so we may not be on the air again tomorrow if that class runs overtime like it did on Tuesday. 15625 Item 3, type of violation serious. The employer or an employee designated by the employer was not at the dive location in charge of all aspects of the diving operation affecting the safety and health of dive team members. 15,625. Citation 1, item 4. For each diving mode engaged in the safe practices manual did not include all elements specified in the standard. And they have the quotation here. What did they specifically have? Safety did not have safety procedures and checklists. Assignments and responsibilities of dive team members. Equipment procedures and checklists. Emergency procedures for fire, equipment failure, adverse environmental conditions, and medical illness and injury. 15,625. Citation 1, item 5. The employer did not maintain the following at the dive location. List of the telephone or call numbers for an operational decompression chamber. We have mentioned this. All right. On this program, and you could Google this, the decompression chambers, all right, are, uh, there's not available. There's not, I mean, they're out there, but they're not not really available. In the New York City area, uh, these decompression chambers, we're not talking the ones that you see like at a wound treatment center where they're like a big plastic bag they put you in. My father went through it, so that's how I know. No, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an actual pressure chamber, similar to what was in went down at you know the Titan last month, that submersible submarine. Uh, well, obviously submarines are sub- uh, submersible out there by the Titanic, and they actually uh, no. There's only a couple of them here in New uh, in Metro New York area. I looked them up the other day, so. You have to go out there and have that planned out ahead of time. What do you need? An operational decompression chamber, accessible hospitals, available physicians, available means of transportation, and the nearest U.S. Coast Guard rescue coordination. All got to be in there. 11,162. A first aid kit appropriate for the diving operation and approved by a physician was not available at the dive location. 15,625. Citation 1, item 6B, and this was a zero. The employer did not provide an American Red Cross standard first aid handbook or equivalent in a bag manual resuscitator with transparent mask and tubing was not available at the dive location. Citation 1, item 7A. Planning of a diving operation did not include an assessment in the safety and health aspects of the diving mode. 15,625. Planning of a diving operator did not include an assessment of the surface and underwater conditions, $0. Planning of diving operation did not include an assessment of the safety and health aspects of emergency procedures, $0. Dive team members were not briefed in accordance with 1910.421, blah, 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 blah. Not briefed, 
So what do they need to know? The tasks undertaken, safety procedures for the diving mode, any unusual hazards or environmental conditions likely to affect the safety of the diving operation, any modifications to operating procedures necessitated by the specific diving operation, uh, and prior individual dive team members, member assignments, 15,000 going on and on and on, including uh, dive members' physical fitness, 15,625. Citation one, item nine. Citation, the employer did not provide means to assist an injured diver from the water or into a bell. 15,625. Citation one, item 10. The employer failed to provide a two-way communication system. 15,625. A diver was not stationed at the underwater point of entry. When, this is citation one, item 11. When surface supplied air diving was conducted in enclosed or physically confining spaces. 15,625. Equipment calibration, maintenance records, 11,162, not done. Citation one, item 13, air compressor intakes are not located away from areas containing exhaust or other contaminants, 15,625. Citation one, item 14, umbilicals are not marked in 10-foot increments to 100 feet beginning at the diver's end and 50-foot increments thereafter, 11,162. Surface supplied air and mixed gas mass and helmets do not have a non-return valve and the attachment point between the helmet. 15,625. I don't know exactly what that means. Employee without scuba diving heavy gear was not wearing safety harness. 15,625. So they weren't able to get this guy out. No harness. Employees working over or near water where danger of drowning exists and were not provided with the U.S. Coast Guard PFD. 11,162. No life jacket. A life-saving skiff was not immediately available. 11,162. Citation 1, other than serious. Uh... Name, the following uh, information is not recorded and maintained for each diving operation. Names and the diving members, including a designated person in charge. Date, time, and location. Diving modes use the general nature of the work performed, approximate underwater surface conditions, and a maximum depth at the bottom for each diver. Nothing willful here, and it all came to $258,000 in some chains, almost $259,000. So this is what I'm going to do. Copy. This is going to go right over to... Hold on. Hold on one second here, because if I don't do it now, we're going to forget to do it. OSHA finds and... All right. 
That's for number one. Uh, we talked about safe and sound. We, we talked about this. And we're going to wrap up with this and call it a night. 14 defendants, including leaders of the Colombo organized crime family, plead guilty to various felony charges. Okay, so there was... Uh, why this didn't end up on the uh, OSHA website? I don't know. I, this is from the Department of Labor. So uh, earlier today, this is from Friday, July 14, 2023. Earlier today at the federal courthouse in Brooklyn, Vincent Riccardio, known as Vinny Unions, a captain of the Colombo crime family of La Costa Nostra, pleaded guilty to racketeering related to extortion of a high-ranking official of a Queens-based labor union, loan sharking, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Riccardio, Ricciardo, is the last of the defendants indicted in 2021 and 2022 in connection with various offenses committed by members and associates of the Colombo crime family involving uh, extortion, money laundering, conspiracy, drug trafficking, fraud, and loan sharking offenses. Uh, And it goes on. According, uh, hold on. Hold on. Here you go. There was other people here. A man named Bonanno who was in here. Bonanno crime family soldier, oh, Bonanno crime family soldier John Regano, who is also known as Vazu and the Maniac, also led a scheme to issue fraudulent workplace safety training certifications. Oh, really? That's why uh, we have this here. Issue fraudulent workplace safety training certifications from two occupational safety schools he purported to operate in Long Island. Rather than provide workplace safety trainings required to obtain OSHA certification, right? 30-hour course, 10-hour course, Regano, along with John Glover and Dominic Ricardo, falsified paperwork submitted to the U.S. Department of Labor and other government agencies, which represented that hundreds of workers had completed construction safety training courses when they have not. My question is, why aren't they going after the people who did this? They have their names. Why aren't they going after the workers on this? These were... Because then we're dealing with hundreds of things. That's my question here. Right? You have this guy supplying this stuff, but you have people buying it on the other end. What's going on here? Is there a list they should have? I don't know. Hundreds. I suspect it's not hundreds, it's thousands. Instead, various defendants use Regano schools to conduct meetings involving members of the Costro Nostra and... Uh, and to store illegal uh, drugs and fireworks. And how many months here? Uh, he was he's being sentenced. He was sentenced uh, in November 2022. Ricardo pleaded guilty. Uh, to conspiracy to commit fraud in connection with the means of identification. He was sentenced in April 2023 to 57 months imprisonment. In December 2022, uh, Dominic uh, Ricardo uh, pleaded guilty to racketeering and was sentenced in June 2023 to 
28 months imprisonment. Uh, these guys uh, here, uh, no, again, all different types of prison terms up to like uh, uh, 30 years here with this. I don't know if he's been even uh, sentenced for this. Now, my understanding is this. Uh, there is a lawsuit here. Let's see if I can find it. And it was not in that thing. Bear with me, folks. Let's take a break here while I find this story. Hang on. Remember, I'm all alone here doing this. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com Okay, so there was another lawsuit associated with these folks filed by the National Commission for the Certification of Crane Operators Incorporated that alleges that uh, these folks uh, here that we had mentioned uh, were involved in, uh, quote-unquote, allegedly offering apt, and the government's innocent until proven guilty here and everything else this is being litigated. The lawsuit filed by the NCCO, NCCCO related to a purported scheme in which providers of tests are allegedly offering applicants packages and assured the applicant they would be secure, they would secure a passing score on the examination violation. So they were getting people in there, the NCC uh, thing, right? They, uh, I mean, they're, they're in charge of this, and they had a cheating scheme that they're accusing these folks of. So this is a bigger than what you think. So that's all we have tonight. We'll be catching you tomorrow night on Safety Wars, and good night, everybody. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any 
any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. 